Welcome back, podcast listeners. Here with episode 167. And Tony, welcome back. You've uh, you've been on a little hiatus on me. I have. I didn't think I was welcome back. Uh, Going to be welcome back in front of the microphone ever again, Jamie. After listening to the podcast you did with the team when I was away. How'd you find that one? I found it really good, you know, and, and you know, I learned a few things about the team, like they don't like my podcast. Yeah, well, they love me on it, so that's why I'm still here. That's right. So it's, uh, <laughs> Obviously, you couldn't get a guest in today because you had to pull me out. Is that right? Oh, that is right. Oh, well, I got one in last week. What are your thoughts on um, Anton? There's been some great feedback from our um, clients, especially the business clients around that one. I thought Anton was fantastic and it was really... It was really enlightening for me. It brought me back to being 17 years old and my first ever job in a mailroom at Drake Personnel, a big recruitment company, yeah, and, yeah. which was a huge recruitment company. And as you know, one of the greatest mentors I've ever had there is managing director, greatest leader, uh, Ron Irwin. And I learned so much from him. But listening to Anton and the way he interviews potential candidates and also potential companies, it was, it was really, it was extremely insightful. And I've known Anton for a, for a few years now, so yeah. a number of years, and and just seeing that was just so insightful and, and I've seen his his personal leadership as you know coaching football and things like that and I actually really saw that shine through in his uh, in his talk and the way he takes his job seriously in helping people with a career it was magnificent to listen to yeah well we started talking about that and we decided today to talk around leadership as you had mentioned a past leader of yours that you know was someone that was big in your career um, so I want to start off you know probably a hard question and we've done some past podcasts around leadership um we had Kyle Tyrrell on once um, mm. and we, we were talking about him yesterday as well um and his leadership but you know what is leadership to you and what defines a leader to you there's I mean you can, you can go back you know Kyle was a leader of people where if he got it wrong they potentially lost their life being you know a lieutenant colonel doing four tours in Iraq so if you go back to some of those old leaders some leaders or leaders of like you know underworld criminal gangs are leaders by fear and intimidation whereas I think the greatest business leaders are not the rock stars of the world I think the greatest business leaders are the ones that actually know that they can learn off the people that they are also leading and actually bring forward with a vision uh, for companies to actually be able to achieve their dreams and you know when we were talking to Michael Go yesterday as well where you know one of the companies he was working for at the time where they said we can never make another cent in revenue. We've hit our cap of fifty million. We'll never be able to increase it. You know, there's just not enough deals here in Australia. And I think it was five years later they're doing one point six billion a year in fee- yep. in in, uh, in deals. So, just goes to show that sometimes, you know, a company's growth can actually be quashed by its leaders ability to think or think big or continue to grow and have that motivation to actually put in those hard yards day after day after day so for me as a leader a leader is somebody who inspires the team where they say this is a career for me and it's a career for me because I actually have somebody who is actually interested in building in helping me build my career to be able to achieve the dreams that I want to achieve and and I think one of the key factors that you mentioned, uh, Ron Irwin, Mr. Irwin, there's one that my first ever real boss and mentor and leader, and he was an exceptional human being, an exceptional leader. And of course, I was 17 at the time, so I didn't really know it, but I know it now. And I knew it, I knew it probably at the time too, but when you have no one to compare it to, sometimes it's, it's really hard when the greatest leader you've ever had was your first. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, but, um, 
I think, though, that leader is a person who continually thinks outside the nine dots, continually looks at growing, is always out of their comfort zone and feels comfortable being working outside of their comfort zone and continually building, but can actually get the right team around them to actually build the organisation with them because an organisation will never become a billion-dollar organisation because of the leader. It's because of the people. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, earliest qualities of a leader, I think even at, when you go back to even football teams as a kids and, and training and stuff like that, yeah, demanding leaders would never, uh, I never sort of aligned myself with them. You know, someone screaming at me, yelling at me, trying to motivate me to come on, I just, you weren't going to get my attention. But a leader that guides, teaches, and I think, you know, helps you understand the mission i guess that you're on um they're the leaders that sort of align with me because yeah i just don't the rah-rah is not going to get me yeah and i think i remember doing um politics in school and i think it was in year 11 and we were actually talking about politics and i made a comment and it's the same with teachers and the same with coaches and it's the same with you know people you've worked with and other work colleagues or other bosses or employers that you've actually had is you remember the great ones and you remember the really crap ones and the ones in the middle, you can't even remember their names. They're just the much of a muchness. But you always remember the really good ones and the really bad ones. And it's the fact of that if you can learn from the bad ones that you've had, it's saying, yeah, I want this to be my career. You're just not the person to actually help drive my career yeah. uh, forward. And you understand what you didn't like about them. So when you actually become a leader... and if what you didn't like about them was purely based on the fact that they actually drove you forward to make you do work and make you get out of your comfort zone, well, if that's the only thing you didn't like about them, well, you, you hope your dreams are pretty minuscule because you're not going to achieve much, you know, on that basis. But if they're continually just, you know, you see it with some people and they just can't help but put down the people that work for them. It's every, everyone else is default. Everyone else is to blame. They never take on that responsibility. And as you say, they yell and shout and demean you. And that's not going to get the best out. I certainly won't get the best out of me, and I know it won't get the best out of you. No, so what's some... I tried to make you run once on the football <laughs> field. It just didn't work. So what's some, I guess, some leadership that you've seen, not naming names or anything like that, but that's made you reflect and say, oh, I don't want to do that? And what's some, I guess, some reflections you've had on your own leadership from the past that you go, look, that was a bad quality that I've needed to fix? Yeah, two questions there, both great questions. So let's go back to the first question. Um, there are some teachers that I've had in the past and some coaches that I just haven't gelled with. And I remember having a grade four teacher who told my mum that they he thought uh, that I was mentally retarded, I think was the word because remember I'm a bit older than you so those were the words that we used and my mum actually turned around and said maybe you're actually just not an engaging or good teacher now whether that was my mum standing up for me or whether that was true I just knew that I found him boring so yeah I did stare out the window half the day because it was just like I didn't want to be there you know and and like you I mean we I think we both went to school to do sport and to socialize uh, not actually to do uh, work but he wasn't engaging, he didn't motivate me. He, he taught me that, you know, they teach that two plus two equals four, rather than the power of addition and the power of compounding or the power of, and, and actually, 
helping you expand your mind and expand your horizons and, and make it unbelievably interesting. I mean, it's not quite, school's not quite Woghorts learning new spells, but it's Hogwarts. Is that right? You, got it right. I said? you actually got it right. Well, Thank no. you. Yeah. Okay, I thought I said that back to front there no, for a moment. You got it good. Uh, which would have sounded silly. Um, but in saying that, though, they're the people that actually inspire you and actually say, you know, I actually want to become an accountant or a doctor or a politician or an economist or a teacher because you inspired me to actually be really great. So they're, they're the that's from the bad side of if you're just being ridiculed and called dumb or, or called lazy and you're actually putting in such a damn effort, you're just not getting it, uh, well then, you know, that, that maybe is a reflection of that. And I'll use the opposite there, my grade two teacher, Sister Melania. Sister Melania was a nun, and she was a nun who was pretty good with the uh, the cane. There's no doubting that, and it was the the boys did get the cane quite a bit, especially poor Manuel Prada. He he quite often got the cane. Um, and but one of the things that she was great at was she realised that I struggled with reading a story, but I could un- but I could read words. So she actually got me to put stories, help me with my reading, was actually put words into pictures. So I basically had a movie reel going on in my head uh, whilst I was learning to read. That was something that she picked up on. And she, and she, you know, she, she, I think she was 95 when she was teaching me. So it's, <laughs> she, she was old, uh, but lots of, she, she actually really liked the kids and liked teaching the kids, not so much the naughty boys. You might've got the cane like I did, Jamie. Uh, cane was gone by my time, so yeah, lucky, lucky you. Yeah. Lucky you, you would have a few calluses on your backside otherwise. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but she, you know, I, I made every excuse not to do homework from the, the dog. That was one of my, the dog actually, you know, did put its, honey did put a snout in the bag and pull my homework out and actually ate it. I know you had a friend that that actually happened, didn't really happen with me, but every excuse in the world. So what she did was she used to bring me down on Saturday mornings and actually have one-on-one lessons with me to do the homework for the week. And I would help her empty out all the bins and use the incinerator and, and all those type of things. So I actually thought I was having fun where she was actually teaching me. And that was great. And that's the type of teacher, Mrs. McGowan, grade three, another great teacher, Miss Hutchins, grade four, not so good. Brother Couchy, just violent, uh, just petrified of him. Um, you know, Brother Hagen and Mrs. Stone in grade six, magnificent. So, you know, the, you, have, you have a look at those teachers and I think that's where you go through and say, that is fantastic because there's the bad, but there's also the good. And I learned that the good nurturing type of teachers were the ones where I excelled. And as, as a... I hope, me being an employer now, that I could be seen as an employer of choice because I'd like to think that I also have that nurturing spirit because I know that's what to get the best out of me and hope, hopefully that's what gets the best and inspires the people that we actually work with as a result there too. So that's what I learned from the bad, that I don't like yelling and screaming and stamping my foot. The from the opposite side was the second question in respect to what's the bad qualities that you've had in your past that you've had to reflect on um being being stubborn it's you know sorry mum maybe it's the irish trait but being stubborn is you know just continually doing the same thing over no matter how how many times it fails not listening not you know so you know there's been 
many times in here where now I will discuss things, say, with um, executive and management team here rather than saying, here's what we're doing, get your feedback, see what you think, how can it be done, will it work? Sometimes, you know, it's a case of, no, it won't, and I actually listen nowadays. Yep. And, and I think that's one of the keys is actually entrusting. I've never been a micromanager because I don't like being micromanaged, but... It's actually entrusting your the people that you've put into those positions of power in some type of way to actually make the decisions and a lot of the times make the decisions without having to come to me for to ask permission as well. They're the traits that I've changed and as a result you can grow an organisation and my mum asked me actually uh, last Sunday when I had breakfast with her, you know, if you grow to 300 employees, how are you going to trust everyone? I said, well, you can't. But you have to trust the people who are managing the pe- that are managing the people, and there's always going to be you know a bad egg somewhere, as someone who's not going to fit in, or someone who's just toxic and has slipped through the cracks. But the key is is to be able to say you know in a nice way uh, with empathy, maybe you're just not the right person for this role, and actually move them on. And you know the the adage we talk about of it's not one of the bad traits I used to have was hire people like me, and that was not good. Uh, so we talk. We often use the analogy, Jamie, of you know driving the bus to the destination. You have to have the right driver. And as you know, Anthony Pratt says, you know, an orchestra only has one conductor. Uh, but at the same time, you have to then have the right people on the bus. They're the people that are moving forward. But you also have to have the right people on the right seat on the bus. Yep. Because I could employ you as a technical IT guy because you've got some pretty good technical IT skills. I say pretty good, (laughs) which means far better than me. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not your strength. That's not the area that overly excites you. So, and that analogy that we use is David Beckham, one of the greatest soccer players of all time. Yeah, there's, there's been better, there's been worse, obviously. I regard him as being a mad Manchester United fan, especially during that era. I regard him as the you know the greatest of that era. But if Manchester United recruited him to be a goalkeeper, they would say, "My God, this guy's crap." But you so in other words, we all know how great a soccer player is. But he was no Peter Schmeichel, you know, who was our goalkeeper at the time, who's six foot six you know, colossus of a man and a magnificent goalkeeper who was surrounded by a magnificent team. So if you think of that about that bus being driven forward, it's having the right people and the right spots. And that's, you know, I moan about Essendon Football Club at the moment. We seem to be a team of five foot ten midfielders. We just can't seem to recruit right. And, you know, we've got some great players, but are they the right people and the right seat on, on the bus? And yep. is it being driven forward by the right people? And I think that's, you know, if you're using my beloved Essendon Football Club as an analogy where they've failed, I don't think they've been driven forward by the right people over the last half a dozen years. And I think there's a, a lot of good people just in the wrong positions in the uh, that executive team uh, mm-hmm. level as well. So I think they're the two things I would look at in respect to leadership where I failed myself. And if I failed myself, it means I failed the people around me as well. But I've learned from that and not continue to try to do that same thing. And I think I've also had another huge benefit over a lot of, of our listeners. A good majority of our clients are successful SME owners. And I see what they've done well. You know, when you're interviewing, you become friends with the likes of, say, Leo Mameso, as an example. 
and you have a look at Leo and what he done. I actually re-listened to his podcast the other day, and what he's done and what he's built. You know, he had a dream and he had a vision, and he worked really, really hard to actually get there. And when you see all the things that he's done, which have been successful, you get to see those traits and you say, "Wow, that's something that we might be able to do here." You know, being part of groups like the Million Dollar Business Club. You get to see, you know, other unbelievably successful business owners who have staff and what they do right and what they do wrong, and we actually share all that in, you know, masterclasses with each other and weekends away, etc. So, I think I've had the benefit of being surrounded by amazing people because there's nothing that we do that is unique. You know, we brought Matthew Rowan here uh, to chair our advisory board. You know, Matthew is a magnificent leader. Uh, he's been ultra successful and he's actually guiding us in a lot of ways in respect to our own business decisions and keeping us on track, things like that as well. So I think one of the greatest thing about the greatest leaders is they're also very coachable and very flexible and are willing to learn from people that they might not have listened to previously. So I think the, the greatest thing you can do is surround yourself with people that aren't like you uh, well, don't necessarily share your beliefs because that actually gives you a an insight into things you might not have thought of previously and thought that's a good opportunity. Well, that was something from um, Cole's podcast, if you go back, where he had a team of leaders around him where he would stop and always ask their opinion before moving forward with a decision mm-hmm. um, because he would trust what they were going to say to him um, and he would say that they were experts in their field. So as a leader to make that decision that's going to affect everybody, he would actually have the input from his other leaders around him. If you're going to tell me we're doing something and changing something in your operations, I might question you and question you why and question how much is this going to cost or stuff like that. But one thing you've always been able to do is show me the benefit and show me the cost analysis and show me the efficiency changes. And it's a case of, great, I don't, you know, it's from my perspective, I don't question your expertise because I question your ability to make a right or a wrong decision. We all make right and wrong decisions. I just question because I want to know. Yep. And but I've no interest in doing it. I've no interest in actually forcing that change. And I certainly have no interest in saying no to you. Yep. Uh, because I have to entrust what you're doing. I have to entrust what Boyana's doing. I have to entrust what Jess is doing. Uh, or Patrista, you know, the senior management team in here. And then you see, you know, the other uh, more junior team members thriving under there because they know they can actually add value you know you have a look at they're not juniors but you have a look at the likes of Lucy and Vaughan and how they thrive because they're allowed to actually talk and raise their voice and make decisions and and actually make suggestions and you know I've we've implemented something now that Lucy first raised with us two years ago and when she raised it I turned around and said that sounds wonderful how are we going to pay for it yep that is great, that is noble, I totally agree with you, but how do we pay for it? Two years later, we're doing it. Yep. Because it's something that has grown, what we can do, how we can do it, her having an understanding from our business perspective of what we want to do, us having an understanding of the benefit that that's going to give society, and we're not going to go broke in actually doing that at the same time. That's the type of thing that collaboration actually works within a team, and you can't have that if your leader is a rock star. If your leader is all about t- uh, taking on none of the blame, but uh, taking on all of the good side, uh, that's then that person's not a leader. Tony, I've appreciated reflecting on uh, on leadership, and I think a few good old stories have been told. I have. I've got a lot more, which I won't repeat. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Thanks. 
Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.